Welcome to Work Life Confidential with your host, Ken Dolan Delvecchio. Work Life Confidential gets to the heart of uncomfortable, sometimes taboo topics. Bosses and coworkers behaving badly, other workplace stresses, gender, race, money, and their effect on everything that happens at work and in your life outside of work. Together, we'll find the answers you've been looking for. Now, here is Ken Dolan Delvecchio. Welcome to Work Life Confidential. I'm Ken Dolan Delvecchio. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to be talking about a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. It's something that I've been working on for a number of years. And in some ways, I think it's so very simple. But as you know, there are so many things in life that are simple in concept, but not easy to make real. And so today we're talking about the mentally healthy workplace. And I'm going to tell a little story that I think exemplifies the great benefit I enjoyed in having a mentally healthy workplace. And then I'll be introducing our wonderful guest for the hour, who is the CEO or the director of an organization that is all about promoting mentally healthy workplaces. So several years back, I was... I was the executive responsible for the behavioral health programs and services at Prudential. And at this time, we were in the process of restructuring the health and wellness organization that that the behavioral health services program was part of. And so I reported to the chief medical officer and there was As I said, there was a new legal framework that was being put in place to create a a medical plan out of the health and wellness organization. At the same time, I had just initiated with my team the beginning of a a request for proposal, an RFP process for our national EAP vendor, which is quite a body of work, as you may know. And my boss, the chief medical officer, his name is Andy, came into my office one day and he said, you know, that RFP that you're working on, why don't you put it off until next year? And I was thrown by that because how often does your boss come to you and say, you know that piece of work that is looming? Maybe you really don't have to do that. And I can tell you it was a very interesting process for me because it was a little hard for me to let go of. And I think that says something about how the pressures of work and overwork perhaps live inside many of us and color our own sense of how we have to do more and more and more. But to be invited to let go of something and to release some pressure, that to me is one of the hallmarks of a mentally healthy workplace where a leader actually keeps in his or her mind the the balance sheet of what their team members are up against in terms of workload and and takes responsibility for making those kinds of suggestions. And another example I'll give you is that every now and then Andy would say to me when I was leaving a bit early, he would say, what what are you doing? What are you doing skipping out early? And, And I would say to him, without hesitation, I would say, I'm going to see my therapist And then I would look at him with perhaps a little hint of foreboding in my eye and say, and you want me to see my therapist. Now, 
That would not be common in many workplaces. And granted, it was a health and wellness organization. I was the leader of the behavioral health services. But the stories I've heard tell me that even in organizations that are devoted to health care, there is often not room for us to simply mention the fact that we need some support in our lives when it comes to either behavioral health challenge or a medical challenge of any sort. Of course, they're always interwoven. There's no real distinction. So given that little story about the benefits that I experienced, and I I know that they were likely quite a privilege, let me introduce our guest for the hour. Darcy Gritadaro is an attorney, and she is director of the Center for Workplace Mental Health at the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. She assumed this role in 2017, and what she does is she develops and implements the center's strategic direction in their efforts to provide employers great tools and resources to support the employer's efforts to have mentally healthy workplaces, employees who have solid access to mental health resources when they need it, and the same for their families. And so before she was at the American Psychiatric Foundation, the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, pardon me, she worked for a number of years in senior positions with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. The acronym for this organization is NAMI, N-A-M-I. If you are not familiar with it, it's a great organization to look into more. They provide all sorts of services and information on this topic of mental health, the importance of including people who live with mental health conditions. Wonderful, wonderful organization, and and Darcy was a part of the leadership of that organization. She has also worked with national organizations representing managed care, and she has practiced law with Harris Beach Law Firm, where she concentrated on healthcare and mental health issues. She served as a law clerk in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of New York, and she earned a BS degree from Clarkson University and her Juris Doctor, JD, from Western New England University School of Law. To learn more about the Center for Workplace Mental Health, please visit www.workplacementalhealth.org all run together, of course, www.workplacementalhealth.org. You can also call them for information at area code 202-559-3140. You can reach them by email at workplacementalhealth at psych, P-S-Y-C-H, Dot org. Welcome, Darcy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Ken. It's a great privilege to be here, and this is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart as well, and I know Prudential has an outstanding reputation as an organization that worked very hard at creating a mentally healthy workplace, so I really appreciate this opportunity, and having worked a lot of my time professionally in the public sector with NAMI and looking at public sector 
um, issues. It was really wonderful to have this opportunity to move over to the American Psychiatric Association Foundation on the private sector side to really look strategically at how it is that employers, both in the private and public sector, but as employers, can make a difference when it comes to creating more mentally healthy workplaces. So delighted to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. And and when I open and I, I talked a little bit about my experience, I try to give some examples that show what what I experienced as such a positive, mentally healthy environment. Do you think that's fairly rare? Do you think that that's fairly common? What, what do you think and why so? Neither I case. think. Yeah, so I think employers increasingly recognize the importance of addressing mental health. So I think we are seeing a shift. And part of that comes from the fact that over the last 10 years, employers have really focused on health and wellness in the workplace and haven't necessarily, except with exceptions, um, they haven't necessarily really seen mental health as a critical integral part of health and wellness. So I think over the last few years, we're really seeing a shift with employers beginning to really see that acknowledging that people are coming to work with common conditions like depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder and ADHD is, is growing in, uh, in what we're seeing and is growing in importance to employers to really understand how do I make sure that I give my employees what they need to succeed at the job, whether or not they have a mental health condition, which is really, really great progress. Well, I, I, I would agree. I, I see progress. I see it in pockets, but I feel like we have so far to go, and I, and I think it's wonderful that your organization exists. When you think about the numbers, and you think about, for example, that the World Health Organization issued a report in 2015 that said depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. Staggering, absolutely staggering. And you think about the reality that about one in five of us live with a mental health condition of one sort or another. One in 10 approximately live with a depression with a depression condition, some some condition on the spectrum of depressive disorders. Addiction is rife. I've seen research that showed that about 16% of the population is likely to be living with an addiction that falls somewhere within the substance use category. And if you expand that and you look at things like sex addiction and gambling and internet addiction, the so-called behavioral or process addictions, it it goes to perhaps 60%. So it this is this is probably most of us living with these kinds of conditions. And if we don't directly, we surely know somebody who does. So talk about what your organization does. Maybe the history of the organization, its mission, and and how you work to fulfill that. Sure. So um, the center actually began about 12 years ago, and it was really designed to provide employers with 
all the kind of information, tools, resources, and programs needed to promote and support the mental health of employees and their families. And really, the vision is that all organizations, regardless of size, whether they're in the public or private sector, will have everything they need to create a mentally healthy workplace. And progress has been slow over 12 years, but I really do believe, and we're seeing that in, in surveys of empl- large employers and mid-sized employers, that they have placed a priority on doing a better job in addressing workplace mental health. Part of this has been driven by the visibility that mental health is receiving in the media with celebrities coming forward and talking more about living with uh, mental illness and mental health conditions with some high-profile suicides. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why mental health is getting a whole lot more airtime. But we really see that creating a mentally healthy workplace is not necessarily all that complicated. It's just that mental health has remained over time kind of a taboo topic, and people get uncomfortable talking about mental health. But with the advent of more and more people coming forward and being open and out there and people that we would kind of put in the category of um, successful, high-visibility um, celebrities, but also corporate leaders and others coming forward and saying, I live with and manage my mental health condition, we're really seeing employers say, okay, this is something that we need to do a better job with. And really, I, the, the idea of creating a mentally healthy workplace can really start small, in fact, and grow. And I think that employees really appreciate the, the small steps that employers take and really in, in the conversations that we've had with employers show a lot of enthusiasm for their employer showing support for mental health and informing them more about things like the early warning signs and how to have conversations with coworkers and really addressing and tackling stigma and bringing in people with lived experience to speak to um, employees and really share their experiences and, and normalize in a sense that, that many of us at all levels of corporate America, at all levels of society, live with a variety of diagnoses. So it's not a, a condition that's left to a few. It's These are conditions of the many, and millions of Americans live with these conditions. So it's just really getting a lot more exposure, and it's becoming much more accepting in the workplace, along with schools and faith-based community centers. And we're just seeing a lot more attention being paid to mental health, and we're very excited about that. I agree, and I can tell you that I was about to speak at a university not too long ago, and I was, it was a little while before I tend to be anxious and I get to wherever I'm going to speak early, and I was having coffee in the, in the cafeteria, and there were a group of about six students who were at the table nearby, and all of a sudden they started talking about their diagnoses, <laughs> They were saying things like, yeah, I'm I'm low-grade bipolar, and we're trying a bunch of medications because what I've been on recently hasn't been so great. And somebody else said, yeah, I've, I've got ADHD. I've been, I've been working with a shrink for a long time. It was so interesting to hear this patter of 
extremely casual, fun conversation as though they were talking about anything else that might be going on in their lives. It was, it was, such, a, it was such a nice thing to hear and I felt like I was listening to the future and hearing people normalizing something that is so very normal. We are, we haven't changed. Human beings are pretty much the way we've been for 190, 200,000 years of history, the way the research tells us. And so there's nothing that we should be shocked by or freaked out by because we've been living with all of this stuff, we've been living with diabetes and with heart disease, probably not in the same in the same frequency, and every other so-called medical condition, along with depression and anxiety and post-traumatic stress, all of those things, nothing's new. Why can't we just accept one another? Another point that I think is so important, and when you talk about companies addressing this area is that the the incidents of depression and anxiety are so co-occurring they they co-occur so frequently with other major health conditions and so if you have a person has a new cancer diagnosis or a diabetes diagnosis or a cardiac crisis Right, it's almost it's almost predictable that they're also going to have a concurrent anxiety or depression disorder. Am I correct in that? That is absolutely correct. And just to comment quickly on your your last point about normalizing mental health conditions, I'm reminded as you were speaking about that of the time when we used to consider cancer the C word and cancer yep. is not something that people would talk about and it really was a taboo topic and it's changed obviously dramatically. So there's just a huge opportunity with mental health to be that conversation piece that people feel comfortable about raising. But yes, you are absolutely right. The incidence of when a physical health condition like diabetes or a heart attack or other serious conditions are coupled with depression, the result is healthcare costs are about two to three times higher. And this is something that employers who often pay a portion of healthcare are growing increasingly interested in. And I think the fact that research and science is feeding us more and more information about this, about this escalated cost of health care, about the fact that this is not a pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get over it. This is, you know, character weakness that we now know. No, these are real medical conditions that people are experiencing, and they can get better with therapy and medication. They just need to have access to effective care, and they can get better. Increasingly, we're seeing science and research telling us that and that information is getting out into the public realm and people are accepting far more so it's not these are not conditions that people aren't taking seriously people are taking them seriously and employers are really looking at these cost studies depression the latest cost study on depression indicated that for the cost of depression is about $210 billion a year. And that breaks down to, for employers, about half of that is made up of productivity loss, which is associated with absenteeism, not being in the office, but also presenteeism, being in the office but not being focused because you're distracted and you're not 100% engaged in your work. 
So that's a, about half of it. The other half comes from healthcare costs associated with treating depression, and then there's some costs associated with suicide and loss of life. So, and you know, along the lines of suicide, we need to be also mindful of two things. Actually, one is last year we lost about seventy-seven thousand Americans to opioid overdoses, and we lost about forty-four thousand Americans to suicide. So when you think, and suicide is so closely associated with depression, yeah. and yeah. when you think about those losses and the circle that impacts. You are moving very, very much into the employment realm, and employers are really impacted by those kinds of crises. Absolutely. Now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, let's talk in a little more detail about what employers can do. We've, we've covered some ideas. Let's talk a bit more about what exactly is the mentally healthy workplace and what can employers of all sizes do to to make that happen where, where they where they work, where their employees work. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Maybe you're putting together an event and need a keynote speaker who makes it comfortable to talk about the most challenging subjects, mental health, race, gender, and workplace violence among them. A speaker who can give detailed how-to guidance based on decades of experience as a corporate executive, human resources professional, and psychotherapist. Or maybe you find yourself getting ready for an important presentation, meeting, or conversation and wish you had an expert advisor to help you prepare. A professional who will help you script what you'll say and plan for what comes next. Ken Dolan Del Vecchio is available to speak at your event on workplace or relationship subjects. He's also a trusted advisor, consultant, and coach to business leaders and others. Visit GreenGateLeadership.com to learn more and get in touch. That's GreenGateLeadership.com. As a business professional, you know there is no greater challenge than keeping the people around you focused, engaged, and productive. We all have situations in our lives that rob us of our most important resource, attention. The key to dealing with the distractions and still being our best is resilience. We can't always avoid challenging situations, but we can make sure we bounce back. FEI, the workforce resilience expert, is the leader in helping your workforce be their best selves. We have a range of services to strengthen well-being, enhance culture, empower safety, and manage crisis. From the most personal problems to crises on a global scale, our experience can help you meet any challenge. If you're working to keep your workforce focused, engaged, and productive, contact FEI Workforce Resilience at 1-800-987-1948 or visit feinet.com. FEI, the workforce resilience experts. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Work Life Confidential. It's time to hear your voice. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Ken at GreenGateLeadership.com. Now, back to Work Life Confidential. Here again is Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. 
Welcome, welcome back. We're talking with Darcy Gridadaro. She is the director of the Center for Workplace Mental Health of the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. You can learn more about them at workplacementalhealth.org, www.workplacementalhealth.org. And during the break, Darcy and I were talking about the puzzle that if a workplace, and here's the, the, the puzzling thing, that when workplaces try to create the healthiest the healthiest work settings that they can, sometimes they perceive that as something that's going to take away from profitability. And there is a growing body of research that disproves that, that says if a work setting is focused on both health and productivity, it's good for the bottom line. So. Darcy, maybe you can say a couple words about that, but then maybe just talk a little bit about what is a mentally healthy workplace? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What happens there? Let's have a conversation about that. Sure. I think there is, as you described, there is this perception that somehow it will be costly for a business to really focus on the overall health and and to acknowledge that overall health means creating the proper balance, keeping stress at a reasonable level, and being very upfront and 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 I guess uh, honest, I guess in a sense, about the reality that people have breaking points and that you know stress is does contribute to depression and and can really complicate health matters. So the science is uh, to the contrary. It does really show that those that develop healthy workplaces tend to do much better with things like recruitment and retention and overall health and well-being of their employees. And they have uh, performances better. They have better quality work. So, And people stay healthier with their overall health and well-being. So it, it does positively impact the bottom line. And so they're just the perception is nine-tenths of the law, and unfortunately the perception for some industries stays in that dated kind of uh, view that it's, um, you know, let's keep things the way they are because we've been profitable and successful operating the way we've been operating. And I think the younger generations, we are seeing more and more interested in having more in the way of work-life balance and really valuing overall health and holistic health and well-being. So I think that's certainly going to continue. So in employers, especially in a low unemployment uh, circumstance that we're living in now, are going to really need to pay attention to that if they want to keep and retain really healthy, um, I mean, uh, their high performers. But in terms of what does a mentally healthy workplace look like, I mean, certainly culture, a culture of caring is really at the heart of it. So making sure employees know the early warning signs of common mental health conditions is important, much as they know the early warning signs of any health conditions. Believe it or not, lots of people don't necessarily recognize what depression looks like or anxiety and some of the other common conditions. Also, helping people understand, uh, helping people feel comfortable about asking a coworker, are you okay if they're worried about someone? Sometimes when people suspect mental health may be at the root of an issue, they avoid it. So there's sort of the avoidance and, oh, you know, something's going on. I'm not going there. I'm not going to address it with this coworker. So helping people feel really more comfortable with that. Also, it's, it's one thing to kind of 
educate and raise awareness about mental health and really help people feel more comfortable coming forward. But then it's another thing to ensure that people can access effective care. So one thing is to keep an EAP, make sure an EAP is really up to speed when it comes to um, addressing mental health calls and issues. Also, really working with an external and internal EAP so that conversation about mental health is visible in what they offer in services and supports, really using mental health language, emotional health and well-being, so people understand the EAP is there for those calls and reinforcing the confidentiality aspect because people still get uncomfortable, worried that if they share, it won't be kept confidential and it could negatively impact their job opportunities. And then accessing... I was just going to say, to to ensure access to effective mental health care is essential because that can be difficult. It's difficult to navigate care and making sure that care is available when people are ready to to reach out and and ask for help. All of these are are so important. The way I think about the first comment that she made about just asking, are you okay? And in fact, there is a program called Are You Okay? that is available to employers. And there are other free programs that are available. We, I and others and your organization work together for a number of years under the leadership of the National Alliance on Mental Illnesses, New York City Metro chapter, and the Northeast Business Group on Health. And one of the results of that work was a pamphlet that's called Workplace Working Well, and it provides guidelines for a mentally healthy business. You can get that on the National Alliance of Mental on Mental Illnesses website, and you can get it on my website as well. And it has a number of programs that companies can simply adopt and use to help their employee populations get a bit more comfortable asking those questions, simply, are you okay? For me, it's always important to compare the question of where are we with mental health conditions to where are we with all the other health conditions. So if we see a person who looks like they're they're under the weather and they're feeling really down and feeling really down in energy and maybe they are sneezing and coughing we would ask the question are you okay and it, it's not any different really if we see somebody who consistently comes to work and maybe seems to be having a, a hard time focusing, is is withdrawn far more so than they used to be. They used to be really highly energetic and, and really engaged with what was going on around them. And now they seem to be off in their, in their own workspace and not having much to say and maybe saying some things that sound kind of bleak. It, it would make a lot of sense to just ask, are you okay to say I'm concerned? about you and, and initiate a conversation. And and I think that there's just so much fear, as you said, about about breaking a boundary. But, you, you know, you don't have to start pretending to be their therapist. That's not what it's about. You can simply remind another person that they, they have access to supportive resources and primarily the employee assistance program. One thing that it's so important for supervisors to do is when they're talking to somebody and they're noting that they're 
performance has really slipped that they used to be they used to be proficient at their work and now they seem to be missing things and having a really hard time it makes a lot of sense when talking with them about your concerns about their job performance to remind them of their EAP benefit to remind them that they have that when somebody has a problem doing their work a lot of times there's some kind of personal challenge that's contributing to it and and you're not you're not making the assumption that there is you're making you're letting them know that that's a common reality and that you're reminding them that they have access to the employee assistance program if that is the case for them and that whether or not they use it is entirely a confidential matter they don't need to get back to you they don't need to tell you anything you're just you don't need to tell you anything about it you're just reminding them of the the service and those kinds of things are so important i think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that the the taboo is so strong that it clouds our our thinking our our judgment or just are just just about how to be kind to one another how to be human with one another yeah, I think that's so true. I think the kindness and compassion and really just sometimes just a listening ear and then asking, what is it I can do to help support you? Yep. Because yep. just as people develop any number of health conditions, depression and anxiety, which are, very, which are common in the workplace, are highly treatable. So yep. sometimes people aren't aware they need help when they need it, and they may be uncomfortable seeking help, but just reassuring them that if you, if you get help, you can really get better is just a simple gesture that can really make a huge difference. So, but again, it's helping people feel comfortable. And one, one way that's really been effective in a number of organizations is to really have leadership at the highest levels talk about mental health. And maybe a personal friend or a family um, sharing a personal story or a, fam- a fam- story about a family friend that has experienced a mental health condition to kind of make it okay to open up that conversation and to show that at the highest ranks of the organization, there's an understanding that mental health conditions are common. They can strike anyone. I mean, we now know that, you know, Nobel Prize winners, celebrities, uh, major artists, like there are just people at the highest levels of achievement in our society that live with these conditions. So just reminding people can make it them feel more comfortable coming forward to get help. Absolutely. And and also just to recognize that this is not an either or. We we all are someplace on a continuum of health and that that's dynamic. It's changing. There are times when we might be feeling absolutely optimally healthy and other times when we're massively stressed and we might be feeling like we need to talk to somebody, like we really need some support. We may or may not have a, di- a diagnosis that we live with and if we do have a diagnosis it may or may not be completely well controlled at a certain time and as you said this is something that is very commonplace I mean I've mentioned before that I live with what's been diagnosed as cyclothymia which is a mood that goes up and down and and for the most part, I'm very energetic and perhaps too energetic. And at other times, I've been really down. And so it's important for me to watch that. But in no way has it, has it diminished my degree of success. And 
I live with migraines and I live with back problems and I, I manage them similarly. We all live with, with things that are, that are challenging us and it, it's really great and important to get help when we need it. One of the things you said I, I, I think also is so important and that is that it's important to, to detoxify the words. I'm saying it a little differently, I think, than you did. But I've been to organizations, and, and I've, I believe I've mentioned this perhaps before on this show, that I, I've been asked to speak about mental health in the workplace, but not mention the word stress or not mention the word depression. <laughs> As though if you mention those words, something bad will happen. Some kind of Pandora's box will open. And I've heard, I've heard leaders say, well, you know, we offer resiliency seminars and we offer happiness programs. And, and those are great, but you have to mention the words, too. The words make the lived experience and the language of illness, mental illness, visible in a way that detoxifies them, makes them approachable. If it's mentionable, it's manageable. That's something that is a theme for these shows. And Mr. Rogers was the, the guy who, who said that all the time, and it's, it's just so true. So if you're going to end stigma, you have to address it. You have to go right through stigma. You can't go around it. You can't pretend it's not there. You have, to, you have to say the words and then realize, hey, nothing bad happens except people feel a bit of relief. Yes, so, I think we, we all have to remember that stress, can lead to major health concerns. And depression yep. is just one of them. But yep. so are heart conditions and so are other serious health consequences. Yep. So we, when we think about not wanting to emphasize stress because, oh, every workplace has stress, well, it has to be a manageable level of stress because once you get to a point where it's unmanageable, which many workplaces would qualify for that, yep. then you start to really see the health consequences. You start to see people leaving. You start to see disability numbers going up, and you start to see some really concerning costs. Yeah, and that brings us back to this point of if, if we take care of the people who work in the organization, those those costs are of $210 billion a year perhaps are going to be lessened because we know, for example, the tracking that we did at Prudential showed that the higher the health risks that individuals live with, so risk for, risk for stress, risk for depression, which are very much tied together, the more they're going to experience disability, the more they're going to experience disabilities that are longer, the more likely that they're going to have a higher medical spend and perhaps even more visits to emergency rooms. So these things are tied together in ways that make sense, but oftentimes there's feels it seems that there's so much pressure to get things done in the short term that the costs, the human costs, somehow are, are not paid attention to or are denied. One of the things I think it's really important to note is that the, the environment in which people work is either supporting their health 
or eroding their health. There's no neutral ground. And I think that there's too many leaders who feel like, hey, health is just a personal matter. I don't have to think about it. Well, you, you don't think about it at your own peril because people live most of their lives at work or working if they work remotely. And that experience, that context, that environment in which they work is either doing good things or it's or it's not. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. As a business professional, you know there is no greater challenge than keeping the people around you focused, engaged, and productive. We all have situations in our lives that rob us of our most important resource, attention. The key to dealing with the distractions and still being our best is resilience. We can't always avoid challenging situations, but we can make sure we bounce back. FEI, the workforce resilience expert, is the leader in helping your workforce be their best selves. We have a range of services to strengthen well-being, enhance culture, empower safety, and manage crisis. From the most personal problems to crises on a global scale, our experience can help you meet any challenge. If you're working to keep your workforce focused, engaged, and productive, contact FEI Workforce Resilience at 1-800-987-1948 or visit feinet.com. FEI, the workforce resilience experts. Maybe you're putting together an event and need a keynote speaker who makes it comfortable to talk about the most challenging subjects, mental health, race, gender, and workplace violence among them. A speaker who can give detailed how-to guidance based on decades of experience as a corporate executive, human resources professional, and psychotherapist. Or maybe you find yourself getting ready for an important presentation, meeting, or conversation and wish you had an expert advisor to help you prepare. A professional who will help you script what you'll say and plan for what comes next. Ken Dolan Del Vecchio is available to speak at your event on workplace or relationship subjects. He's also a trusted advisor, consultant, and coach to business leaders and others. Visit GreenGateLeadership.com to learn more and get in touch. That's GreenGateLeadership.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Work Life Confidential. It's time to hear your voice. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Ken at GreenGateLeadership.com. Now, back to Work Life Confidential. Here again is Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. Welcome back. We're speaking with Darcy Gridadaro, who is the director of the Center for Workplace Mental Health. Where you can you can contact the center at 202-559-3140 for information. And Darcy and I would like to spend the last few minutes talking about leadership. What can leaders do? Leaders are the people who embody the culture of their organization, their team. 
Darcy, what, what do you have to say about this? Mental health and well-being of employees is a priority. And I'm reminded of a story that came out in summer 2017, so a year ago, just about now, in August, of an employee who sent an email to her boss saying, I won't be in today, I'm taking a much-needed mental health day. And that message somehow got to the CEO of the organization, it was a mid-sized organization, whose response was company-wide in saying, I'm happy to hear that an employee is taking a mental health day. I think it's important that we all take mental health days when we need to. And that story became, you know, had a just became a media sensation. There were multiple stories about, wow, here's a leader of an organization commenting about an employee taking a mental health day and how impressed he was and the importance of that and her openness about it. And it just became this major media story and really suggested to those of us in the field that we need far more leaders who Or maybe I should back up and say we need more organizations that have the kind of culture in which employees are comfortable, first of all, saying, I need to take a mental health day, so I'm taking one today. And organizations in which a leader, when they see that kind of thing, says, that's great. We all should be taking care of our mental health. It's an important part of our overall health and well-being. So that was an exciting moment for us, those of us in the mental health world, an important moment. Absolutely. And, and I, I have to, I, I see it as a double-edged sword. I see it as it's great that it happened and it's important that it got so much visibility. And then on the other side, why is that so extraordinary? <laughs> why is that so out there? Why isn't that just something that happens all the time? And, and that's what I'm thinking we're, we're heading toward, hopefully, a, a way that we can you can say, I need a mental health day, just like you you need time for any other. You, we have personal time. We get to use it for whatever we need and to acknowledge that we need a day to recharge our batteries, to be with the people we love or to do things outside of work. Why not? Why shouldn't that be absolutely normal? And one day I hope, I hope it will be. The way I think about it, getting back to how simple it is. I don't think that it's necessary for a workplace to have all sorts of fancy apps for stress management or yoga at your desk or or even things like a, a gym and uh, EAP. I know large corporations have all these things. I feel like what you need is a leader who respects the humanity of the people in their group, who who says hello to the people in their team every day, who knows a little bit about their lives, maybe knows the names of the people who are most important in their team members' lives every day, their significant other, their children, knows something about their aspirations and 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 is interested in helping them move toward those aspirations, even if they will one day bring them to a place outside of the team or outside the organization. Work a, a leader who who communicates how the work that their team member does every day is a benefit in the world. So, for example, if you if you own a business. 
where you have people who cut lawns or who fix cars or whatever, if you can just talk with them about how much you appreciate the fact that what they do helps people to live more happy and satisfied lives and to, and to get about their business. Because the spiritual the spirituality of work is about purpose and supporting that. And I feel like it's, it's, we're back to this idea that's very, very simple. I mean, it's great to have all kinds of resources, but if your company doesn't provide them, if you provide the understanding that, hey, we, we work, uh, we get our work done, we work hard, but there's time to go to the gym. There's time to meditate on your own time. There's time to be with your loved ones. All you, there's time to go to the doctor or, or to the therapist. That that's kind of what what I always come back to, Darcy. Yes, I agree with that, and I do think. It, it was an interesting double-edged sword because I do think that one case that really kind of went viral suggested that. On the one hand, that's progress because mental health has been such a taboo for so long, and here we have an employee willing to share and a leader willing to say, good for you. On the other hand, gosh, it's hard to believe we (laughs) are at 2018 or 2017 at the time, and we need to um, applaud this and really acknowledge it as something bigger than what it should be. But progress and incremental change is important, I think, to the overall um, trajectory of these things. But I agree with you entirely. And I think we we have a program called Right Direction that's on depression. It's got everything an employer needs. It's a turnkey program that was developed with Employers Health, which is a, an employer group, and it has everything employers need, simple approaches to addressing depression in the workplace. Everything from here, and it can be customized by organizations. It's very simple to use, and employers love it because it, it has PowerPoints, it has posters, it has, but it, it gets the word out and makes more visible the reality that depression is all around us, and we need to take steps like that to raise the visibility and that one incident involving that that worker who said you know that employee who said hey i need a mental health day that was a step forward we need to keep seeing more and more steps along those lines and and frankly corporate leaders and employer employment leaders can help that process they can accelerate it because they set the tone they set the culture they have the opportunity to say I'm going to talk about mental health. I'm going to make it a priority to my organization, and I acknowledge it's part of holistic health that every employee experiences. It's so vitally important, and and I think also they need to realize that when a person makes it visible that they live with some mental health condition or another, that does not mean that they can't think straight. That does not mean that they can't be relied upon. That does not mean that they are not a good person to consider for a high-profile project or promotion. Any more than it would mean that if you were to become aware that they live with a chronic cardiac condition or diabetes or whatever other diagnosis, migraines, problems with their back or their hips, those kinds of things that, that we need to, we need to challenge the stigma that lives in each of us. And it really does. If we're honest, it really does. And I, and I, I, I see this when I speak to some people who are in this, in the same kind of work that you and I are, and they'll say, well, 
you know, sometimes it's very hard for people to mention these kinds of conditions because because it's it's about the mind. And I, I agree, if you are in a position where it doesn't feel safe, to say that you you need a, you need time to go see your therapist or for a, a 12 step meeting or whatever just for a meeting for your health you shouldn't say it but we should not for a moment we who are in this community and live with whatever condition we might live with should not for a moment feel like there's a difference in terms of the imposition on our capacity to work between and what- yeah, a mental health condition and another, any other condition. Yeah, and I, I think sometimes they, we call it the invisible conditions because you can't see them. But mm-hmm. also, I think about the fact that some people think they know what mental health conditions look like. Right. And what they right. don't know is they're all, these conditions are all around them, and they just may not know they exist. And so it is invisible in that sense, too, because people yep. at the highest levels of every profession are living with mental health conditions and they're performing exceptionally well and they're just not necessarily sharing their their personal health experience with mental health conditions because they don't feel a need to but yet their face is very different than people's perceptions and and I'm going to need to say that that's the final word that you're going to share with us and I want to just make a quick comment on it because because I I think it may it it may be useful as well and that is that this to me is very similar to other diversity issues diversity and inclusion issues and perhaps most closely relates to the the difference in sexual orientation that exists within our population the spectrum of sexual orientation because it's not visible and as more and more glbtq people have become visible the the effort to exclude us has become less because once you recognize that that we are everywhere and we are fundamentally human like everybody else it becomes less necessary to be afraid and to and to have all sorts of stereotypes i think it's very similar to the issue of people who live with mental health conditions because if we are one in five of the population, if one in five members of the population live with a mental health condition, look around. <laughs> it's a lot of people. And if, if you just imagine that those people came forward, that it would one would hope that the stigma would be just crumbling that the because we'd recognize that they are our most esteemed colleagues and they are our community faith of faith leaders and they are people who we look up to in the world of sports and and it's happening that's happening it's a wonderful wonderful time i want to thank you so much darcy gridadaro director of the center for workplace mental health for joining us and i want to let it's my pleasure I, it's been great having you. I want to invite everybody to join us next time when we'll be talking about a similar related topic. We'll be talking about addiction in the workplace with Rob Tyndall, 
who is a vice president and risk officer for corporate functions at Prudential. Rob has stories to share that offer unique insights on this subject. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. You've been listening to Work Life Confidential. I'd like to thank our executive producer, Randall Libero, and our engineer, Josh. And thank you so much for being with us. We'll look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for listening to Work Life Confidential with Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. We hope you've taken a bit of wisdom from today's program that will help you at work and home. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have an outstanding week.